My scripture this morning is taken from the book of Philippians chapter 4 verses 1 through 9. If you'd like to follow along as I read aloud, it is found in, uh, on uh, page 186 in the New Testament section of your pew Bibles. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to be one of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel. Together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. What do you do to relieve stress and worry in your life? I want you to think about this for a minute. Some of us are good at this. Some of us really fail at this. You see, there's only two ways of dealing with one's anger. There's the implosive way, where you bottle everything up until finally there's this volcanic eruption and there's nothing that goes away except for hair, spit, and fingernails flying everywhere. Then there's the explosive one where the top of the volcano has blown up a long time ago and it looks like Mount St. Helens and it just kind of spurts stuff every once in a while when you get mad. And the ones that you have to watch out for is this when an explosive personality decides to go quiet because that becomes an, an atomic explosion of epic proportions. But the goal here is, is to not get to the point where we have been so stressed out that we're so angry that any of those things should take place. This is what Paul is talking about with Yodia and Syntyche. I had to look that up, by the way. The Greek version is Syntyche, but if the German pronunciation is Syntyche, which just blows me away. So I, anyway, I, I had to do that. That's... Uh, Sally, Ted's, and my little inside joke for just a second. But anyway, Sintichi and Euodia evidently have had an argument. And this is why Paul is talking to them. And he's like, you know, you, you two really need to get it together. It's, it's not worth the battle that you are having. 
It's not that he's dismissing what was going on, that, that they can't disagree. But the fact that they're not trying to do these things with the mindset of Christ. It's hard for us when we think about this, that these sisters, these gospel workers, are focused in on spreading the gospel. And Paul's not reprimanding them. He's trying to give them some excellent pastoral advice about maybe the demeanor or prayer or appropriate thinking, which ultimately will lead them to shalom. Now, I want to spend a little bit of time on this word. In the Hebrew culture, shalom is one of those words that means a lot of things. Probably the most popular one is, is my peace I give to you. And the, and the correct response is, is, if I say that to you, you, you say, also with you. So if I said, my peace I give to you, you say, yeah, good, we're, we're, we've almost got it. You, you, you're, you're almost perfect. But in the Hebrew culture, uh, it, was, it was simpler. It, they just passed on the word of shalom. Uh, I, I try to use that as my closing statement on all of my, my newsletter articles on purpose because it's me passing my peace on to you so that you represent Jesus in a different way. Shalom is a big deal. And this is what Paul is trying to get Yodia and Sittichi to get together. Trying for them to understand that shalom is our ultimate goal here. How do we do that if we're constantly arguing and fighting? Wow, what a great message for today's world. It's a, it's a struggle when we start to talk about this. But he starts off with rejoice and rejoice again. I say rejoice. This is how Paul has chosen to live his life even in the midst of being in prison. He says things like we want to follow with gentleness and don't, don't worry. Pray, he says. Think appropriately. Always strive to do the right thing. Hmm. What would it look like if we went beyond the understanding of church conflict or disagreement with one another in the ability to say, you know, I just don't agree with you on that. But I still love you. I, again, I, I, I didn't say this at 8.15, but I get to say it with you. Uh, you know, in this congregation, since we are the perfect church, and we never have any disagreements on anything, ever, what would it look like if we did? If we had a disagreement on something in such a way that it caused somebody to be pushed away from the shalom that God has passed on to us, to the others. Well, Paul is struggling with this because he's saying we need to find ways of talking about it, to work together, and to be of a mind of Christ. Most of you know that my stress relief is, well, kind of a crazy stress reliever. Uh, yeah, I, I cook for the masses. Uh, I know I, 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 I get this all the time. Josh, you should be taking your days off, blah, blah, blah. Yes, I know, I know, I know. 
But then things like yesterday get to take place. It's, it's, uh, I always talk about this. Everybody else goes to college football games. I go to marching band competitions. And I get to live vicariously through our students. And why? Because I get to go in for free. And all I have to do is cook for them. And it's wonderful. And it's so much fun. And I literally feel everything that's weighing me down on my shoulders just completely lift off. Some people might say that it's because I've sweated it off. Like it's, it's just gone, you know. But I honestly feel great when I get to cook for the masses. Growing up, being the oldest of six kids, our time together was around a table. And being able to cook for my family was the greatest thing for me to do. And then, of course, when Carmen and I got married and it was just the two of us and I would cook for 12 people, there's only so many mac and cheese orders you can eat for two weeks of leftovers. So I, I, this time, I, I decided to do things a little bit different. I, I decided that in the midst of everything that was going on, our menu yesterday was... Uh, comfort food. So when the kids arrived, they came for brunch. They came for eggs and bacon, and, and, and we did it in such a way that we put the kids all together that they kind of sat together without them knowing, like around a table sitting together as a family unit. And we didn't really push it. We didn't really say, we don't really want you to go walk away. We want you to sit together and eat this meal. As a family, I didn't say that, but at the time, that's what was going on in my brain. So I made comfort food. What, what's the best thing you can eat at home? Eggs and bacon and some, well, we have to throw fruit in it so we look like we're healthy. And so we sat together and we ate and the adults come and they, and they help me cook the meal and we participate together and we have this beautiful feast set out before us. And then for dinner, my favorite thing, it says, what's the best thing you can do for comfort food, especially when it's the fall, right? Grilled cheese sandwiches. Now, if I had done it right, we'd have had tomato soup, but uh, that's another day. And I decided I didn't want to go crazy and, and make all this crazy barbecue. I wanted to bring comfort food. I wanted family eating. And so we had ham and cheese and roast beef and cheese. And yeah, okay, I did cheat a little. It did have three different types of cheese and bacon, but you know. So we all sat together and we made it so that when they came off the field, they came, they ate, and they participated. And it's a lot like loaves and fishes. And as I'm sitting there admiring this moment, I'm reminded instantaneously of that story where Jesus is with these people on the side of a mountain, which, by the way, happens to be in Palestine. And, and as Jesus is preaching this message and he's having this conversation, he's having all of these people where they were Jewish and then they weren't. And there were those that were coming from all over the place, coming to hear what Jesus was saying. And he starts to feed them and to feed them. When I was a kid, it was my favorite story of the Bible. Most people say I loved Jonah, right? No, Jonah made me mad. 
Uh, I didn't want to be thrown into a fish for three days and then be vomited on someone else's shore. But I loved the loaves and fishes story because it reminded me of what I was growing up with. I always had this image of maybe me being that kid someday and I see Jesus at the end of the walkway up the side of a mountain and as he's preaching everybody starts to freak out about what to do for dinner and I because I grew up in Oklahoma show up and say uh, I don't know why I had this dream but I show up and say I have two bass and a package of hamburger buns now I didn't understand it because I, I really don't like to eat bass I, I, like at all I just like to catch them I'm that guy but for some reason, as a kid, I, I, I had this oaky imagination of what it was like in the loaves and fishes as this little boy walks all the way up in front to Jesus and says, Jesus, here's two bass and a, a package of hamburger buns, and you can have the bass because I don't like them. <laughs> and from that moment on, Jesus looks at that little boy, and you can see the grin on his face. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's the face that you make when children make that beautiful statement of faith. And all of a sudden, they get it where no one else does. And they say, here's this moment, this divine place where that little boy gets it. You know, they, they understand what heaven is like. And then that loaves and fishes become the very first fellowship dinner. And... They spread it out. And I don't think it was like some sort of magical thing where he just kept creating more bass and more hamburger buns. I, I, because everyone knows that if you're going to feed the mass, it's catfish for the fish fry. Everybody knows that. But I imagine that in that moment that other people saw it. And as Jesus blesses it, they also brought their fish and their loaves. And they also brought their other meal items. And they started to make sure everybody was there. Now here's the part I want you to get. It wasn't about this, the feeding. It was about the presence of the divine. Why were they there? They wanted to hear the message. They wanted to see what Jesus was going to do next. They'd already heard all of the things of the world. And they, they've been living under Roman occupation. But for just that moment, in the midst of all the things, they had a place of peace. As Jesus spoke words of comfort to them. And yes, as they sat on the ground and had places of comfort food. So yesterday, for me, it was important that in the midst of the biggest competition for them of the year, they had a moment to see that this is safe. The world can be crazy. Look, your parents, your adults that are surrounding you right now, they're, they're very tense. Even as I'm saying this, most of us that are adults in this room right now are, are very nervous there are so many things that are happening around us and yet we struggle with finding ways of distressing ourselves and, and finding ways of listening to God's word and listening to Jesus in the midst of this. And we build up this stress to the point where if we're not careful, we're going to erupt like a volcano. And we have to find ways of showing God's love. So you see, this is what Paul's talking about in Philippians. If you live is Christ 
and you live in Christ, then you have to have the mind of Christ, where I keep my eyes focused towards the prize. For Jesus, it was to bring comfort to the masses in the midst of chaos and turmoil. It becomes our responsibility. And in this place, Paul is saying, Yodia Sintichi, Church of Perry. It is our responsibility to be in the image of Jesus, showing that love and compassion and bringing comfort to the masses, not chaos. If Christ behaved like that, how much those of us who are in Christ behave? If Yodia and Sintichi should do this, if, and if they did not do it, then they are denying that they are in Christ. Should we perhaps worry less about who is right and who is wrong in this moment and ask instead, what does it mean for us as a community to have the mind of Christ? As you bring your two bass and a package of hamburger buns, be prepared to be changed in the name of Jesus. In all of these things, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.